0: Before we begin our journey into the world of the strange, please be aware that the topics discussed may include unsettling or disturbing topics. Listener discretion is advised. Everyone and welcome to a new episode of Paratalk. And on this episode, I'm joined by Fred Anderson. Uh, he's a Swedish author and researcher, and he's done a little bit of uh, TV research as well. So he's done a little bit of everything. But we're going to talk about the paranormal. We're going to talk about his book, Northern Lights and High Strangers in Sweden. So there's plenty of things to talk about here. Before we run ahead too much. Let me bring Fred in and let's uh, pick his brains a little bit and find out how he got into all of this. Hello, hello. I've uh,
1: I've been in the car for many hours today. Uh, uh, we've been having a little UFO event up north in Sweden. So I'm. I actually took a little nap before I I uh, connected with you here. You got you got to be careful of those sleeps.
0: Well, you take a little nap and then it's three hours and then when you get up, feel like you slept for a thousand years.
1: It, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, I'm I'm. I'm 46 I'm I'm getting old I I need a little sleep you know it's it's uh, to you know, refresh
0: in my mind Mm, i I know that i know that feeling when you just think i'm just gonna have a little nap and then you and then the whole the whole afternoon's gone and then you're just angry for the rest of the day oh well is what it is before we sort of get into the nitty-gritty of this episode the paranormal
1: how did you get into it where did the interest come from i I think it's kind of a more complex story the more i look at it because i think it comes from several directions i don't want to go too deep on it but i had a quite traumatic childhood for a a couple of reasons and it's it's not really interesting to talk about here but part of that was living in a very very religious community i don't see myself as a religious myself but there was this constant talk about miracles and visions and things like that and even if i kept a quite healthy distance to it i became fascinated by that's not in our reality that's stuff that's beyond that around the same time i think i found a swedish ufo book from the 70s it was a real page turner and i loved everything about it and it was quite skeptical also it wasn't really you know it it believed in everything but that book Mm. gave me such profound insights uh, 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 about reality about uh, things that we can see and cannot see and other people can see Uh, And it kind of opened my life to something that felt fun, to be honest. (laughs) Uh, You know, if you're stuck in a community like I was, and you get a book like that, and you suddenly realize that, wow, there's so much more cool stuff out there. I've had this interest in the paranormal and UFOs since I was a kid. But honestly, it probably began really seriously, maybe 15 years ago, when I was working on a TV show as a segment producer, and I did hundreds of interviews with people who had paranormal experiences—they, uh, you know, the goes, they seen ghosts, they talk to dead relatives, stuff like that—and after sitting and talking so much with these people, I kind of started to see, uh, you know, I, I could see something else in it. I could see deeply personal stories in in them and that these things obviously happened to them and it meant a lot and that kind of just you know it it kind of just made me dive deeper into the subject including a couple of you know more a couple of my own experiences in this field so it's you know it's been with me since childhood but uh, after interviewing people talking with people who have experienced a lot of stuff that re- really really made it for me.
0: I find it fascinating that you, you have to interview so many people. What's the weirdest thing that someone has told you, um, and then you've thought to yourself, "Are they making that up, or
1: did they really uh, experience that?" I would say I have two things that I still think about. One of them is actually a, a video. There was a, a man and his uh, partner who, who sent a video to us in this TV show, and it's him filming the lamp in in his living room roof and the lamp starts to you know starts to move and you can Mm -hmm. hear that he kind of suddenly is is afraid or very very stressed and he turns the camera because there's some noise out in the kitchen and when he turns the camera you can clearly see one of the cabinet doors in the kitchen it's really you know it flies up you know really 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 hard and you can sense the fear in him when he's filming this so of course this is cool you know we're making television we want to you know do an interview and I had this when I saw the video I felt okay this this is too good yeah you know, this is this is crazy what I'm seeing here you know and i I thought that okay we will meet him we will do the interview I will probably you know because I've interviewed a lot of people so I will kind of feel that he's making this up that this is a joke or a prank or something you know I'm I got to say that I was cynical about it, uh, and if he didn't do that, if I didn't feel that, he would probably, you know, come out uh, a couple months later when the show is out on in there, and you know, reveal this was a prank, you know, that he fooled us, something like that. Mm. But you know, I spent three days with the guy, uh, doing countless interviews, and we, you know, everywhere, and I, I was there was there wasn't call me naive, but there there wasn't a hint that he was making this up or that he was pranking you know we interviewed the family everyone had had experiences and after those three days i was like "Hmm, yeah he's i mean he's telling the truth this this is this is real and the show went on the air and then and i was like yeah soon soon there will be some news that he, he he did a prank and everyone will laugh at us but nothing totally quiet um so, so th- that that one was very very important to me um but the, then there's another story a woman told me she owns this old uh you can say old bed and breakfast up north and she had terrible terrible problems uh in her house with what she thought at least was very very bad spirits it was a very destructive place uh it was destructive for her for her son, for visitors, for the house itself, and one thing I, I didn't know she she not she didn't tell me about this until I sat down and interview her that she once encountered a two meter tall troll in her house, goblin in her house. Uh, we call it troll, uh, the the Swedish, uh, you know, the Scandinavian uh, yeah. mythological creature. You know, big and hairy, with long fingers and glowing eyes. I mean, it, you know, it was standing up in the hallway. I think it was uh, on the second floor, just breathing and looking at her, and then it disappeared. And I was like, "What the heck?" <laughs> you know, I, I, at that point, I never heard anything like that in our show because, you know, it's mostly. You know, a door opens, or you hear some footsteps above, or something like that. But this, you know, was a it was a troll, uh, according to her. And she's, I'm, you know, I'm absolutely sure that she experienced something. I mean, I, I I'm still in contact with her, and uh, she still have issues with her home, not not with these kind of creatures, what I know. Uh, but that felt fascinating and interesting to actually hear from someone. Uh, because it's so out of there even even for being sweden you know it's it's something very few would dare to talk about themselves in tv if they had experienced it uh but she did so i i'd say those two were like wow to me i have i you know i have another experience from the tv show and i i i don't should tell yeah, you that fine but, yeah, yeah yeah because you know the thing with with me doing research basically is i want to understand what people are seeing or what they are feeling uh, i want to be you know in in their shoes and this time we were at uh, you know how we call it torp a torp is a small wooden house often red uh uh often like 100 150 years old there you can find them everywhere in sweden Uh, they're very 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 nice Uh, so this family had some huge problem with this house they 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 felt attacked in the house and outside the house by a man uh, in black clothes and black hat and you know completely black uh like a silhouette you can say yeah and i was standing outside in the in the garden maybe it was uh, three in the afternoon talking with the mom and her daughter and I, I knew that they had seen this figure in the garden I, they, because they talked about it. We might have even talked about it at that moment. So I'm standing there and maybe three meters away behind a, a quite thin tree. I suddenly see a male figure. That's what I perceived it at, as, completely a black solid figure. You, know, you, you can see the, the head, possibly a hat, the shoulders... Uh, the torso maybe an arm you know kind of peeking out from this very uh, thin tree and that was also a a defining moment for me because i actually saw what they claimed to have seen you know i could put myself in their situation Um, i to be honest i i don't know what i saw it could very well that it was some kind of self you know suggestion or something something that, that my mind created because we were talking about it so much but it could have been something else too but i know i saw it and it was completely solid you couldn't it wasn't even a hint of transparent or or yeah. ghostly like that it wasn't i i'd say a classic shadow figure uh, in the middle you know in, in in sunlight basically how did it make you feel when you saw it i mostly felt surprised because i I remember I, uh, uh, I told the other who was standing there with me, she didn't see it because it was behind her back. And I like, I think I just said, I saw it. You know, it, it was more a, a, a surprise uh, feeling. I didn't feel scared or, or feel uncomfortable, uh, but it, it was kind of a revelation to, to have witnessed this thing. And actually, the cameraman at the time also saw uh, a very very clear reflection of a woman in a in a glass cabinet inside the house around the same time uh, the camera The cameraman the photographer came to me and, and mentioned it to me uh, afterwards, which was uh, also you know pretty interesting um, it's a fascinating place so there's been a, a few incidents during this uh, TV shoots, and they they meant,
0: they meant a lot to me. Did you ever find out who these um, people might have been? Um, did, they, did you ever sort of were motivated to sort of research the history of the properties?
1: I know we did research uh, after the filming of this episode to try to figure out who it, can, it could be. Uh, I also remember that we couldn't find anything, but I was recently in contact with the family or, or the mother. Uh, and she mentioned to me that they had found some historic traces. I mean, in 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 the research, that there had been a very very cruel person living on that property, and that there maybe had might been a, a murder or a disappearance. But we're talking, you know, hundred years ago. But I do not know more details about it. Um, so who knows? But. Uh, it's a it's a it's a cool place it's actually their neighbor also had problems and i uh, several years later i got a video from their neighbor who you could see on the surveillance uh, surveillance camera in the hallway how a big uh, uh, closet moved at least you know an inch in front of the camera and i know that that closet is now in the possession of a haunted museum, actually. So, In your time doing this
0: research and talking to all these people, is this kind of, w- would this be a, a kind of a catalyst to you being sort of uh, pushed towards putting it down and making a book and putting something together?
1: Well, the, uh, the book came about, yeah, partly because I heard all these stories, because sometimes when you, you even if you just talk about ghosts and, and mediumship, with these witnesses uh, uh sometimes they mention they've seen other things they've seen strange lights in the sky or in the forest or or things like that um uh, i've also been forever an avid reader uh, I, I i read a lot of books and i uh, there's a few excellent books in sweden about swedish cases written by Klaus swan they're really great they're absolutely among the best i've, I've read uh, but i also noticed when hanging out in in uh, with ufo people uh mostly online is that no one seemed to know anything about sweden and and uh, what is happening here you could find some old articles in flying saucer review or you know some cases mentioned uh but there, there was so little of it you know you there was hardly anything written at all, especially about those cases that are, you know are lesser known, because there's a few cases that's, that always shows up in, in international liter- literature when it comes to Sweden. And uh, for example, there's a, a close contact in 1946 in uh, Engelholm, uh, which nowadays have a UFO monument at the spot. That's a, a classic. Uh, when it comes to Swedish UFO history, but I noticed there were so many other cases that never was mentioned. And there's, I mean, I I I don't want to brag, but I think Sweden has some of the best <laughs> best observations and uh, both of crafts and and humanoids and other creatures. I felt I I need to write about this. Uh, it it actually began. I probably had listened a lot to Our Strange Skies or Somewhere in the Skies, one of those podcasts, and I was listening to their storytelling and I felt I can do this in Swedish. So I, I wrote an article for my Medium account about a big UFO flap in a town called Vallentuna, 1974. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I wrote it and I felt very happy with what I've written because I... I I spent time on it i did research i even talked with the main witness i did i uh, did an interview with her uh, i read books articles uh, newspaper clippings everything uh and i posted it and it i mean honestly i mean we're we're living in the you know some online internet age so of course i was very happy <laughs> when there was suddenly a lot of readers i noticed that people wanted to read this because they never really heard about it Uh, so that writing that article which is actually in book also kind of set me off into focusing on bringing forward more uh, lesser known swedish uh, ufo cases to the international audience Uh, so that kind of that's that set it off you know which the most case that sort of stands out, out over all of them yeah, I mean, my favorite happened in 1969. I mean, there's a lot of old cases because I, I love UFO history and the cases were strangers, stranger before. Uh, this one was in Fear, which is a small community in the north of Sweden. And uh, uh, the guy, the witness, the main witness, Shell, worked at the transmitter station that, you know, you know, redirected, you know, radio signals and TV signals all over Sweden. And he went to work in the evening uh, around six o'clock as usual. He checked the equipment. He uh, started to read a newspaper by the kitchen table in the the, the small kitchen they had. And suddenly the alarm goes off, you know, and all equipment is starting to blink and, you know, weird sounds and everything. And so he's like, what is going on? He calls his colleagues in another town. They don't see anything on on their equipment, uh, and everything stops. It goes back to normal again. And he sits down, tries to you know take a deep breath, <laughs> tries to go on with tries to go on with his work. Suddenly, he have this strong, strong feeling that he needs to look outside the station where he's working. Mm. So he opens the door, and outside the station he sees a huge ufo it's like 150 meters in diameter it's big and it's kind of it looks like a big thick fat pancake kind of uh it kind of look kind of doughy uh, i'd say and in that in front of him he can see kind of a tunnel going into it and from that tunnel comes What can easily be described as fluffy boxes, kinda foggy, fussy boxes. They come floating out. Uh he gets a feeling. It's always these feelings. He sends something and he sends that he needs to let them inside. So he kinda you know, he stands by the door and sees so it's open, and these boxes hovers in, they flies into the to his uh, to, to his workplace just i mean yeah. we're talking 10, 10 centimeters away from him and he can sense that there's some kind of intelligence in inside these boxes uh, uh, and they yeah. you know they flies around inside they check the equipment for maybe i don't know five to ten minutes and then they leave they just flies out again into the tunnel uh, into the ufo and it flies away and yeah it's one witness but it's also one of those guys that never ever would make things up to you know to get attention or to earn money or anything like that it's it's like a it was a complete surprise for everyone <laughs> in in that village uh, everyone could you know guarantee that this guy he's 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 not making things up you know he's a practical man living in a very small place you don't do stuff like this you know you don't put yourself through such a bizarre story but and yeah yeah and he stood by his story for the rest of his life and uh, and yeah it has I mean the, the the fault with this is is that it's just one witness but it's one of those strong witnesses where you feel that okay this guy he experienced something for sure there was something going on what it was I have absolutely no idea uh maybe he himself didn't know what was going on but he saw this and experienced it um it's a pretty classic swedish case and i'm uh it's it's a it's a case i'm devoting a chapter to in the book uh with more details and actually a a kind of follow-up case on the same location 10 years later where a man met three humanoids uh three short humanoids uh you know doing stuff uh, on the lander so that's one of them um i'm also very fascinated by a possible abduction attempt in 1991 uh this is of course as usual there's no proof but there is actually two witnesses to it it was a married couple they were sleeping in the bed at night uh, and the woman wakes up sensing that something first of all the blanket is gone but she also senses that something is dragging her out of bed and something is lifting her up from the bed so she's basically floating in a fetus position uh, out from the bed above the floor Uh, but she managed to kind of grab her husband or make a noise or something and he wakes up and he sees that she's, <laughs> she's going away from the bed. And she, she, he sees three, what he describes as greys, basically. One tall and one short, both with cat-like eyes, standing by the edge of the bed, pulling her against them. And he, gets, you know, he reacts fast. He, he gets up from the bed and he aims a kick at them, which makes them disappear and they let go of the grip and the woman falls down on the floor in front of the bed. To me, it sounds—I mean, it, it sounds like a typical abduction attempt. But it's two witnesses, and even if they even if they they're divorced today, they still stand by the story. They have no one to protect. They, you know, they could be honest, but both of them t- t- tells the same story. This happened, and <laughs> and both saw it from from their own. Uh, viewpoints and I th- that one is it's very intriguing to me and I I think it's pretty rare actually when it comes to this specific kind of of, of case it's interesting that you um, bring up the
0: the individual that lunged at the creature and it and it vanished there's a case over here uh, of two individuals that uh, saw an object it was it was a number of years ago they saw an object and they had an experience they thought that they just saw something and that was it but later on they started to get dreams and they got regressed and it it transpires that they apparently were abducted they were taken onto a craft but this also happened not only to these two individuals it moved over to uh, one individual's partner where he woke one evening in bed they were both asleep and he saw a creature in their bedroom and it was trying to slowly pull his wife out of bed, and as the wife was moving down the bed slowly, he got up and lunged at the creature and you know tried to sort of uh, punch at, 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 at this whatever it might have been and it kind of was shocked you know that he could see it, and he said it visibly looked shocked, and it moved back away from him um the the wall two two times when it was trying to get his wife out of bed it it moved backwards and the wall kind of shimmered and it kind of went into the wall and it was gone on another occasion he saw one of these creatures he tried to jump for it and it moved backwards and then it jumped at him then he'd lost consciousness and he woke up and it was the morning there's there's many parallels here with like the case that you've just told, in a different country, in a different time, and yet it seems to follow this very similar pattern.
1: This is very interesting. I I, I didn't know about about this case. Uh, uh, I... Is it available to read about somewhere or, or,
0: um, yeah, it's, um, basically two friends that have an ad- adoption experience. The so book's all based on them having their regressions and what happened to them. I'll, se- I'll send you the, um, the link to the, um, the Kindle edition here, or the book, or I think I know it's definitely on Kindle because I got it on my Kindle, but it's, it's a really interesting, in depth read. But it's, it's very, there's a lot of parallels to what you've just told me with this other case, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's well, totally identical much. with abductions. Now you've got you've got some people that say, "Oh, it, it, there's no evidence for abductions." People are obviously um, they're they're misinterpreting something. It's just a nightmare. It's some form of sleep paralysis. And now on the other side of it, the people that have these experiences say they're 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 ultra real they're i'm certainly not making this up in my head this is happening to me and and of course people have marks on their bodies they have allegedly have these implants but they've definitely got marks on their bodies and 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 women say they have procedures done on them so what, what do you think is what do you think this is the game plan here do you think that there is some sort of mass study going on do you think that people are being are being experimented on or is it bit, is it more kind of a, a mental thing that's going on in people's minds that there was some in some way we're
1: being mentally intrigued i'm uh, um, oh it's it, it is a tricky question because it's such a tricky part of the mystery i'd say i without you know uh, i still have total respect for experiences experiencers and people who have, this, you know, have seen these things. I personally think it's more of a mental thing, um, but I'm not saying it's 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 mental. That it's some kind of you know psychological problem or something like that. I I, I believe more that it's uh, it's uh, just a different kind of uh, reality, uh, kind of merging w- with ours. I I personally do not think there is in most cases any physical abductions that are actually going to a, a flying saucer somewhere or to another place but it's it's more an inside experience which in in its own way is as real as the one we're living in right now uh, but it's a you know the more you hear people talk about it and uh, it's it's one of those subjects i find very very difficult to kind of wrap my head around uh, because we just talked about two cases where there's several witnesses and and uh, there's something physical going on. I'm leaning mostly f- more towards the, the 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 non-material, the the inner experience, uh, maybe from some kind of outside intelligence uh, intruding in one way or another, or some else, whatever that
0: can be. The main book that everyone's read, and I'm sure you've read it as well, is Whitley Streber's Communion. And that was the first book that I read that really sort of pulled me in and made me think of the abduction phenomenon as something more than just, you know, Jeff the alien comes to your house and wants to take you on his spaceship and do what he needs to do. I think, I started to think, well um, listening to what Whitley Streber was writing about and and coming to sort of you know my own conclusions, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, maybe this is some form of uh, they're, they're not abducting you as a person, but they're maybe abducting your consciousness. They're tapping into your uh, mind in some way yeah. and bringing you to wherever they are. But for you as an individual, because all of your senses are being tricked, you think it's completely real. For example, you know, I'm sat here right now having a conversation with you and all of my senses are telling me that I'm in my apartment and I'm having a conversation with you and I can hear what you're saying and so forth but if someone outside of me is able to influence my senses they're able to manipulate what I am experiencing and what I'm hearing and what and what i'm doing and you know where i am so i'm thinking if these beings are vastly superior in technology and mindset or whatever to us and they just see us as little bugs to, to you know we're just there to be experimented on or to be whatever their agenda is maybe they're able to trick us in some way to make us feel that it's real it might not be as real as we we believe it to be but people who have got marks on their bodies and stuff maybe that is a a way of our bodies showing us that something has happened to us i'm it's an opinion it's my opinion i just you know maybe i'm way off but i do think there's a lot more to it than just you know a couple of aliens getting off a spaceship and coming into your house and going you're coming with us mate you know I think it's a little bit more involved than that.
1: Yeah, 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 I I absolutely agree. I think it's way more complex than than a a physical, uh, you know, ET explanation. I mean, I've, you know, I I had a horrifying sleep paralysis uh, experience once. It didn't have any aliens, but it was so realistic it scared the living you know it scared the living out of me basically because it was so real it felt so physical it felt like i was there in the moment and of course i was because i was in the bed and that was uh it felt like a horror movie and i can understand how people feel when they're having these experiences themselves with being abducted or feeling something in their room uh what i experienced was that i was actually down in south africa working for a tv show and i was sleeping in my hotel room and i woke up sensing you know sensing it's a it's a difficult word because how can you even describe uh uh, you know something personal like that but i sensed that there was something truly evil in the room and i just had the, the the lamp close to my bed uh you know lit up uh so everything else in the room was completely black uh outside you know my my little place there or by the pillow but i knew that over in the corner in the darkness there was something watching me something that wanted to hurt me and i could feel that this presence kind of is hard to describe but it was like he kind of wrapped layer after layer of rubber masks around my head and i had to mentally tear them off you know not to just not to suffocate uh, or feeling trapped in it. Uh, and suddenly i i managed to get out from the bed and the the room was empty but i was so frightened i was so in shock i you know put on some clothes went out in the hotel corridor i went down to the production office we had at the same place uh, and i lay down on the sofa And moments later, this is more the bizarre stuff in it. Moments later, I noticed that there was some kind of disco outside, like a high school disco outside door, (laughs) you know, with balloons, with smoke, with, you know, typical 80s school party. And one of the party people opened the door, because it was a glass door, so I could see out. opened the door, kind of looked at me, and I was like, come on i'm trying to sleep here you know this is you know and suddenly everything just went quiet and dark and the party was over um and so it, it went from pure terror to something quite amusing if it was still annoying of course because i wanted to sleep but that's that's an experience i've been i've been thinking about a lot uh over the years because i i really can't understand it i understand to a certain level that it was some kind of sleep paralysis i guess but there was something more with it and it was so real it uh it was something i've never experienced before or after i experienced sleep paralysis
0: when i was a teenager i had quite a number of uh, episodes and one of the ones that stick in my head is waking up one evening and I wasn't able to move and I I used to sleep with my curtains open and it was just moonlight coming into my room illuminating my room and at the bottom of my room I had a large wardrobe where I used to keep all my you know my clothes and stuff and I was my head was led I was on my side and I was looking down I could see down my bed and I could see to the wardrobe and all I could see at the bottom by the wardrobe was this silhouette of this large figure as tall as the wardrobe Um, and it was just there and it didn't move but as more the more I looked at it the more frightened I became and uh, I tried to call for my my parents but I couldn't I couldn't open my mouth I couldn't say anything I just led there and it must have been it felt like I was led there for hours but I wasn't it must most probably minutes or seconds but I eventually went back to sleep and woke up in the morning but the memory stuck with me and the only other time that I had a sleep paralysis episode that was, what I would call, physical like that was waking up. It's maybe twenty fifteen. I woke up from a from a sleep, an early evening sleep. I'd fallen asleep, and I woke up and I was led on my side, and I felt as if this giant, like a Hulk, was yeah. kneeling, had his knees in my back, and he, I could feel his massive hands around my wrists, holding my wrists together because my hands were together and I could feel like the hands like gripping my wrists and they were huge and um, and I could feel the, the knees in my back and it was almost like he was trying to bear hug me whatever it was uh, uh, you know in my head I thought I'm just I'm having a sleep paralysis episode just I need to relax and, and just kind of um, acknowledge it and I did that about 10-15 seconds later the feeling kind of went away and I was able to move but it, it certainly got my heart, heart pounding when you first wake up and you you're in that kind of state and and the episode that you just um described of of waking up and seeing a a party going on um lots of people uh, talk about stuff like this. some people say oh you're in you're in a like a, a hypnagogic state you're you're waking up but you're still dreaming your mind is still asleep but you're partially awake you know half of your brain is still in dreamland and you're therefore you are like we just spoke about with our senses you are projecting that dream into your perceived reality but i don't know um, um you know i've i still got this i still got the um the mindset that when you're younger um you're able to tap into things i think that that's why children have uh, like you know special little friends and stuff that they you know i had a friend that uh, had a had a, an imaginary friend and he used to get so angry that none of us could see him uh, we would be out going exploring it going yeah i'm just gonna gonna get gary gary's coming we, where's gary we can't see him he's right there you know and it's like we, we are you making it up no he's not he's right and, and he was you know he used to talk to him and everything and we just thought he was a bit weird but you know We never took no notice after a while, but uh, I think that younger children when you're younger you, you can tap into stuff uh, much more easily and I think if you get into this stuff I was going to ask you it was going to be my next question was as you started to do your research and uh, you know talk to people about experiences and maybe uh, start to write stuff down and notate did you find that you were opening yourself up to having more experiences?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely um, I, I, I don't know how to describe it really but but just by talking with people uh, helped a lot and uh, i think it's it's because you kind of accept that things these things can happen uh and by doing so you're also become you know you'll, you you get a more open mind for it uh but i i would like to connect what you mentioned there about kids because uh my i i personally then i have i, I I I might not have any you know empirical data of this, but I've noticed that there's a lot of people who see things. I'm not saying everyone, but I I've, yes, I've just noticed that people who experience things often have uh, a richer, more playful imagination. Uh, they're more connected to to the. Playful, playfulness of of the universe, and you know, even sci-fi and horror, and uh, and I I don't mean that you know because I I watch a lot of horror movies and sci-fi movies. I don't mean that by watching that that you getting more easily manipulating into believing stuff like that. But I think it it helps to have a more uh, uh, childlike a um, uh, childlike uh, what's the word now. Mm-hmm mindset yeah outside yeah or, or attitude you know uh we, i mean for example and i i'm sorry I, I don't remember the source for this is that uh there is said that those who enjoy magic tricks yeah I, I mean enjoy you know illusions and illusionists and magic tricks have a um, much higher chance to experience real paranormal stuff or you know stuff that's that's uh, out of you know extraordinary because they man they can look at the magic trick and truly enjoy it and truly be mystified mystified by it without you know being skeptic or confronting the magician by saying oh i know you had a rabbit in you know in, in your sleep um there is some uh correlation between those things it also reminds me of the philip experiment from the early 70s where they they wanted to kind of manufacture a spirit or a ghost by and they didn't succeed at the, at the beginning but when they decided to be more playful themselves the, the, the team they also got some kind of reaction from this this uh, philip person or, or whatever so I, I i really think that there is a it, it helps to to be more playful I do, and I'm absolutely aware that for some people this is horrifying stuff they experience. But you know, it's it's just something I've been thinking uh, a lot about, and I feel I'm myself. I feel I feel more and more uh, joyful and playful, and uh, even even childish in the best possible way. The older I get, it's kind of like I'm I'm not afraid to you know feel embarrassed or or. Uh, uh you know i can kind of i can enjoy this subject without feeling silly about it which i did when i was younger uh for some reason yeah.
0: mm. i i think that uh um to coin a phrase i think we all end up dancing like our dad at a party at some point <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i think yeah. Uh, you, you when you're younger it's all about peer pressure and you know you don't, you want to be hip and cool um like all your friends and you don't want people to look at you and go he's a bit weird you know <laughs> yeah. um, I, I was a bit like that when I was younger but when you get older you sort of hit the you hit that sort of hill you get o- you get over your 30s you, you get to your 40s and you just start thinking you know what I don't care what anyone thinks if you think I'm a bit a bit on the knob ball that's up to you that's your problem not mine <laughs> yeah so it, I think that and if you open your mind up like you were just saying about um uh, you know, having results with the paranormal and having a, a, a more of a, a positive mindset. That is actually um, a thing. I used to be into uh, people, my listeners are going to go, oh, no, not that story about EVPs again. <laughs> Shut up, Reeves. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going <laughs> to. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna shorten it down. I used to be I used to do a lot of EVP stuff, and I didn't have a lot of um, results on my own. A friend of mine uh, came one day, and we had a bit of a, a couple of beers, and uh, we had a bit of a laugh, and I got results, and the results we got sounded like someone was actually in the room with us. So uh, it just goes to show that when you change that kind of dynamic and you make it a bit more fun, and it's not like it's not like four people in a room going, "We're going to hear for ghosts," and that's it. You know, it's you, If you're having a laugh and chilling a little bit, it seems to bring out more more possibilities and that things might happen. So yeah, I think that you're that the, you're onto something there. When you, if you go to somewhere and you're not really sort of, I don't mean being disrespectful. I don't mean going to a place and going, you know, come on, ghosts. I'm not scared of you. Um, or whatever. I don't mean that. I mean whatever it is that may be haunting a place. we don't know what it is let's be honest we don't know if it's grandma or we don't know if it's some other consciousness from a different dimension or a different place we don't know um we have no clue but i'm just thinking that when you're a bit more positive about things you tend to get you know more um more quality results and that that leads me into my next uh my next question talking about uh things that seem to appear and then disappear what's your thoughts on the the poltergeist phenomenon
1: as we all know i mean the poltergeist phenomenon is is often connected to teenagers uh, uh, in the house or in the building not always but uh, i mean some of the more famous cases both those who are still considered real and those who are, might be hoaxes there's still teenagers involved and i think that i i honestly I really think that there is a connection between uh, the transformation of of someone from a child to an adult and all those emotions and feelings. What, why this is happening though? If something attaches to them, or if their energy somehow becomes more intense, or or some part of them is doing that, I, I don't know. But I I personally feel that it's really uh, connected to to specific humans in in these households um w- with that said i mean i i've never personally experienced a poltergeist phenomenon uh you know i've, I've never been around it and i you know i might change my mind if i'm uh, in a location where those things are happening around me maybe i sense something else but i as often with with the paranormal and ufos and and cryptids even i i think it's i think the, the human the human part of it is is very very important and it's it's absolutely necessary for for things to happen
0: uh, us as individuals i think um we're like little uh we're like little triggers we're li- like little catalysts and when you go to a place that you know, I don't know a haunted castle or even a family home that's got phenomenon going on on it Um, I think that if you go in and you're the kind of person that's very sort of positive and open-minded and you think, well, you know, something might happen. I'm happy to sit here and eat my sandwiches and see what happens. I think that you're more likely to experience something. But if you're going to go there and go, absolutely nothing, it's all a lot of old nonsense. And I think that you're immediately blocking any any way of anything happening. And that's not to say that the person who's hyper-positive is... Creating that phenomenon themselves. I just think that they are opening themselves up to the possibilities of experiencing something more than the person who, you know, like angry Trevor, that doesn't want to, uh, doesn't want to, he thinks it's all out of old nonsense. Um, so, what I was going to say to you was regarding poltergeist, ghosts, hauntings, do you think that um, when it comes to buildings and hauntings, uh, is it possibly Uh, the ghost that's haunting a building or is it the building that's holding the memories and consciousness of that individual that once lived that is in some way us we go in there as individuals and we sort of relive or recapture or re-experience the uh, imprint that they have left there maybe 200 years before
1: yeah i think the 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 location uh, the building itself and what has happened there plays a, a big part in it uh i mean we've all been in places where we come into a room and we can truly sense that something has been going on in here we can feel a you know we can feel positive feelings but we feel these almost destructive bad feelings uh i mean you you have this everyone's mentions this but you can kind of sense if there's been a a a fight or a quarrel in a room and you come in there and you sense that he, people have been fighting in here there's been some very very bad moods going around and it's kind of left traces somehow in the room um so i yeah, i absolutely uh, I agree on that um oh i i, I think so um it kind of reminds me of in sweden uh you have a very not very common but a, a common uh phenomenon uh with with gnomes uh especially out on the countryside and uh, it's said that the gnomes are basically the original owners of the land of the place where the house is so it's so you can kind of see gnomes as ghosts or spirits still hanging around and uh taking care of their farm or helping the current owners so they kind of you can say there that there are traces left of the land and the building itself kind of manifesting themselves into to gnomes or in what you're talking about they could manifest themselves into poltergeists or or ghosts or those kind of feelings uh, um i think it's very important i mean not far away from where i live you have this mansion it's an old mansion from i don't know maybe it's 200 years old 150 years old and it looks quite idyllic when you go into it no outside of it but when you go inside there's a completely different feeling. and why one might, might ask well this place was kind of a uh, not headquarters but this was a very very popular place for spirit communications uh once upon a time you know with the uh, uh, spirit boards and and seances and and mediumship happening there that was the coolest thing at the time uh, in this area and they all did it in this house so i kind of think that those feelings that was left there when the house was built and these things started kinda is still there it's, it's it continues to kind of haunt the place in one way or another, of course I'm just speculating now, but that's what I feel at least jumping back into the uh the
0: aliens and UFOs, I was going to ask you as we're we're, mo- we're moving on to this and this episode quite quickly and we're coming to the end near the end. but I wanted to get your thoughts on how the UFO field is today and how uh, your thoughts on you know, possible disclosure. Are we gonna see in maybe the next few years that the these whatever they are in the sky, everyone's gonna be like,
1: oh yeah, that's just you know, that's the aliens or whatever. You know, I don't want to be a party pooper, but I, I I personally I personally I I don't think that will happen. I don't think it will happen at least during our lifetime. Uh why am I saying that? It's not that I'm you know necessarily skeptical uh, about things, but it's been it's been happening for so long you you've had news about the disclosure you know every fifth or tenth year you know since the forties basically that the government will come out and reveal all these secrets uh of course it's a little bit different now with the whole uh you know the congressional hearings and uh and and even grush i you know i admit i'm skeptical about grush but i also like grush if if that uh, i honestly think that uh he 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 is genuine uh what he's telling i i can feel that you know it's this is this is the real deal for him i'm not just sure about the people who gave him this information uh but who those people are we don't we don't know yet, and I would love to know what kind of people who who told him these things engage him this materialism and, and documents um but when it comes to disclosure itself i'm 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 you know i don't, I don't want to sound negative, but i I feel that no it it won't happen, it won't happen there will i i think that the governments they have absolutely no idea what's going on and they try to kind of um, define this unknown phenomena so this this phenomena itself into something just to get some kind of control over it themselves they don't they, they don't know what it is but they try to give it a name try to give it an identity uh, just so they can keep an eye on it basically i don't know if that makes sense yeah. but uh, the, that's
0: my that's my my take on it kind of back themselves into a corner really i mean if you go back all the way i mean everyone thinks that ufos suddenly you know popped up with kenneth arnold and you know roswell and 1947 and even just slightly before that and that was uh, that was the beginning of the the ufo phenomenon but i mean it's been going on a lot a lot longer than that a long 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 time but the the fact is that that's when it's been in our you know our social sphere of recent history and i think with you know, like you say i don't think the governments really know what's going on uh, but they don't want to to sort of say well we don't know what's going on they'd rather keep you guessing um, and I do think that they have evidence, a lot of evidence that, we, that they've never released to anyone. And I do think that private, uh, private, um, you know, the, the military uh, complex and private contractors do have information uh, that which they're keeping their hands on. Because obviously, if you've got something that's maybe informational technology that's from elsewhere you, you, and you're, a, you know, you're producing I don't know arms for the military or whatever or, or for the government you don't want to give that up and I think that the one of the reasons for me uh, that, that I start to starting to think like this is because they've changed the name from UFO to UAP it's the same thing you're talking about the same thing but the way that the governments work they can turn around and go oh no we're not no we're not we're talking about UAPs mate not UFOs uh, because UFOs that's what all the mental people that's all the mental people follow that and uh, UIPs are what the serious people study. Um, it's just the same thing, mate. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's a rebranding, basically. Of the app. They want to control it now. And by rebranding it, they re- they're placing the control into their hands. Because even though they're talking about the same stuff, and I do think that a lot of these individuals that have come forward, and this isn't something new. Because um, Stephen Greer did this way back in what 2001 with the uh, uh, he had the um, the press hearings with all the individuals that uh, s- you know swore on the Bible and all that stuff uh, uh, that the, the things that they'd experienced and those people were people that had worked in you know in places that were the signed secret act and stuff in or official secrets and all that. They, it's only now that we're getting military individuals like pilots and and people like that are, that are coming out and are going on on to be documented uh, that they've experienced stuff as we're back in the day you would have people that would uh be flying aircraft do you want to report a ufo uh no 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 because it's like <laughs> i don't want to lose my i don't want to be grounded i don't want to lose my pilot's license because they might think i've something medically wrong with me especially if you're a uh, an aircraft pilot that is you know a commercial pilot that's flying people all around the world and you've got hundreds of people on board they don't you know you're going to put possibility that you're going to be grounded or you're going to not be able to do your job that you've worked so hard to do so yeah i, I think that the uh, the the ufo phenomenon has been rebranded and it's been changed and it, it's been changed in such a way that um i as, like you i'm i don't want to be a party pooper but if there w- if there is going to be any disclosure, it's only going to be on on the grounds where w- the government will disclose what it wants to disclose, and it's going to be like um, over a long period of time. It's not going to happen like next day. Or it's, I mean, these these hearings that we're having at the moment, they don't seem to be going anywhere. We seem to be going we, we seem to be going around in circles. Yes, we are getting individuals that are coming out and saying some very interesting stuff but i don't know some of those people are now being closed down on and uh, having their you know you there's certain things they can't talk about like like grush i mean he there's things that he can't talk about in an open area he has to get he's only got clearance to talk about certain things and those certain things you can go only go so far and if he wants to tell any of the the congress members anything more than he has to go into a secure area Um, and get permission to talk about those things so i don't know um that's not to say um don't get me wrong uh that's not to say that the whole ufo phenomenon uh isn't isn't something that's happening right now and it's going on because there certainly is things in our skies all around the world that people are seeing and also people are having things experiencing something that they can't explain that's not to say none of that isn't happening because that is happening but at, w- at what point will they go? Yeah, it's all real. Oh, I don't. know. Nah. I I'm very skeptical. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just very skeptical on all that.
1: Yeah, and I I I, I, uh, I agree with you. But if, if if there's something, I you know, at me as a researcher, I as a researcher, I I'm very very fascinated by the personal experiences and all these people coming from the government, the military, talking about their stuff. Of course, it's a personal experience, but like i said it's also a rebranding from from our beloved ufo's to this uap and more military and tech- uh, technol- uh, technology and uh, government and stuff and it's i i kind of sense that by this rebranding uh, the the audience out there those who are interested kind of forgets that the the main incidents the main experiences out there are you know happening to normal people to you and me to anyone around there out there in the community and i i don't want that to be forgotten you know i don't want that to be hidden behind military stuff or pentagon or leaked videos or whatever because there's so much else going on which i find personally i find it more interesting mm, somehow definitely um well anyway so i think we've come to the
0: end of this episode um and an hour was flown by um, I think we're going to have to do what I was going to I would like to do an episode with you talking about uh, folklore and fairies and trolls and goblins and all that I think that um, I'd like to get your thoughts on those but I think that's another episode that's an episode in itself um, I think um, there's so much of that topic that I've touched on before and there's some really wacky stories out there uh, of people like waking up and there's little men sat on their bed like you know how's it going I'm just living in your house and I'm a little troll man so yeah, I, I there's a, there's loads of those stories out, there and there's definitely something that's in on another realm. So um, what I'm going to do is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end this episode now, and I want um, everyone to remember that uh, you know Fred has got a book, Northern Lights and Hide Strangers in Sweden. And I'm going to put the links uh, in in this episode show notes so you can click through and and get yourself a copy and it's uh, available on in all good all, all online good books places mainly amazon but um anyway fred so any any final words any projects you're working on or anything coming up for you
1: well uh, currently i'm working with the I, i'd say it's the first swedish documentary series on ufos or on the ufo phenomenon we're doing four one-hour episodes that will be aired uh, during the spring here in Sweden and Scandinavia uh, on TV4, which is one of the biggest TV channels we have, uh, I'm I'm afraid I don't think it will be available outside Sweden or Scandinavia. Uh, but uh, who knows? You know, if it leaks out, uh, it's it's a really ambitious show, and I'm very very proud working on it. I'm and I'm so excited to see what people will think about it when it comes out. So that's what I'm doing right now, except writing a new book at least i'm trying to at least Mm. yeah books are books are not easy
0: um i remember i sat down once and thought i'm gonna write a book and then i realized how much research and i'm like of course it's gonna take years uh, you know i haven't got anyone to do it for me i gotta do it all myself so i really admire when anyone sits down and and like yourself and has written a book and they you know you end up with a finished product because you've actually achieved something there you've actually gone out set your mind to it and and done something and a book is kind of like, I don't know, it's just having some tangible. Uh, I'm all for this kind of legacy, sort of uh, tangible stuff. You know, we don't have anymore. We're turning so quickly into like a digital world. I'm I'm responsible. I enjoy reading, but I've gone over to I've got a nice little healthy library, but I pick my Kindle up more than I do a book now, and it's just so and it's just so convenient. I've got all my books on my Kindle, and I can just it remembers where I was. I can bookmark, and it just it's great. But you know, that's just me. I think as we as uh, technology is great as long as you use it in the right way. You know, and and that's another thing that uh, for another day. I mean, technology and the paranormal it's another conversation all in itself. But anyway, uh, thanks again, Fred, for coming on to this episode, and I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, I'm sure Fred will be back on another episode so at some point. Um, I think that let's uh, say uh, pixies, trolls, and fairies—that's that's definitely an episode I think we need to touch on. Um, Uh, If you enjoyed the episode, remember to like and share and uh, spread the word as much as you can. Um, And until next time, thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.